indeed lack wisdom that we should pray to God. And so I'm going to pray that God would grant us wisdom this morning as we look at Proverbs chapter 8. Dear God of wisdom, please your people desire wisdom, but not the kind of knowledge that puffs up. Father, we want the kind of wisdom that is from above, that makes us humble and tender and leads us to love others and not ourselves. And so, Father, grant us the kind of wisdom this morning that would lead to lives that rightfully fear you, because we know that's just the start. Grant us lives of worship, offering everything to you as sacrifice. And Father, grant us lives of wisdom that glorify you through Jesus. Amen. Like I said, uh, we open up the book of Proverbs this Sunday every year. And we're looking at Proverbs chapter 8. And indeed in the whole book of Proverbs, we see that God has created our world, and he's created our world in and through wisdom. Uh, We see other aspects in the book of Proverbs as to how God has created the world. He's created it in love. There's a sense of mystery in our world. He's created it with joy and purpose and order. But in Proverbs chapter 8, God creates our world with wisdom. According to the Bible, our world that we exist in isn't just a uh, our world isn't just a collection of matter that has come into being via chance or in some random way no embedded in everything in our world in the stars in the sky in the dust on the ground embedded in everything that we exist in is god's wisdom and god has created us to have relationship with his creation and indeed relationship with him. And that, I think, is why we see wisdom in our world. In Proverbs chapter 8, this wise man, this sage, is working things out. But it's not the voice of a wise man that we hear. It's not the voice of Solomon. Solomon is the teacher here, but it's not his voice that we hear We've heard previously in the book of Proverbs, in chapters 5 to 7, Solomon's warning to his sons. The warning to his sons is around sexual immorality, around adultery. And he's saying to his sons, be careful, be careful. He's saying, be careful in chapters 5 and 7, because indeed there is something better. There's something better than not committing adultery. There's something better, and that is wisdom. And so, with chapters 5 to 7, with the casting off of that which would weigh us down from seeking wisdom, Solomon now in chapter 8 invites the, the hearer to climb this mountain, to climb this mountain into God's greatness, glory, and grandeur, within his creation. And so you see there on your outline that chapter 8 
has a certain shape, but it also has a certain feel. Because like Peter said just before he read chapter 8, wisdom is personified. You see, wisdom is not just a thing that, you know, something that is good to have. It is that. But the way in which chapter 8 is crafted is wisdom is a person. Wisdom has this voice. Wisdom keeps speaking, calling out aloud, and this voice of wisdom is a woman. How appropriate, half of you might be thinking. We have three wise men in the New Testament. I know that's why some people don't believe the Bible. It's three wise men. Couldn't be that many. But here, it's the voice of a woman that is calling out. And this voice of this woman calling out is, she's not shy. She's not shy in telling us what she is doing and how good she is. In fact, what she does, if you, if you want to think about it this way, chapter 8 is really this autobiography of this woman, of Lady Wisdom. And the chapter uh, is laid out there. You can see in verses 1 to 3 in a foreword, probably written by someone else, uh, likely Solomon. And there's a preface in verses 4 to 11 telling us you know, why we should read this autobiography of wisdom. In verses 12 to 21, there's an introduction. In verses 22 to 31, there's the body telling us how wonderful the work of wisdom is in creation. And verses 32 to 36, a conclusion. So we see that wisdom in the book of Proverbs, or in um, wisdom in Proverbs chapter 8, and indeed, actually, in the, in the wider Bible, is, is a part of God. Uh, this is not radical to Christianity, even. Uh, lots of religions have a sense for which God is wise, God is beyond us, and in, in the Bible, wisdom is a part of God. It's an attribute of God. It's a quality of who God is. But Wisdom has more than that associated with it in the book of Proverbs and in Proverbs chapter 8. Have a look at there at verse 22. The Lord brought me forth. That could be translated, probably better translated as not necessarily born, brought forth, but possessed. The Lord possessed me as the first of his works before his deeds of old. See, the writer is saying here that wisdom has been around since creation, since before creation. Verse 23, I was appointed from eternity, from the beginning, before the world began. Wisdom has been around for a long time. But as you scan your eyes down there from verse 23 following, something odd is going on as the writer speaks about wisdom because wisdom isn't just a part of God. Wisdom is actually doing something, verse 24. It's bringing the oceans into being, the mountains, 25, the earth, the heavens, the clouds, 28, the sea. And there in verse 30, 
Wisdom speaks as this, as this craftsman, as this um, architect, if you like. Verse 30, then I was the craftsman at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence. You see, he, God, is bringing the world into being, the heavens and the earth, and, and wisdom is right next to him. Part of his, part of his work of creation. His hands, if you like, in creation. Wisdom is there. And because wisdom is, is part of making this world come into being, wisdom is seen everywhere throughout creation. So wisdom is an attribute of God, but in Proverbs chapter 8, it's more than that. It's far more than just a part of God. Wisdom is the very reason that creation has come into being. We'll see later on this morning. In Proverbs chapter 8, I, w- I want to split up into five features of wisdom. You see them there in your outline. Because wisdom has all these benefits, if you like. And the first one there um, in the second point of the outline is that wisdom is available in verses 1 to 5. Have a look there in verse 1. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice. You see what the writer is saying? Wisdom is not hiding. She's at the gates, verses 2 and 3. She's at the local shops. Everyone can have access to her. She's calling people and she's calling attention to herself. Verse 5, she's offering herself to everyone. And in fact, she's not picky. She's not picky. The great thing about wisdom here in chapter 8 is you don't even have to be wise to receive wisdom. She's not picky. You can be a fool and you can learn wisdom. I don't know about you, but that's encouraging. And so for us this morning, whether we think of ourselves as wise, whether we are actually wise or fools, Wisdom is calling to us. And so you might be thinking about what next year holds for you, what the year past has been like. I want to ask you this question. Are you pursuing truth? Are you pursuing wisdom? Because the reality is, and you see this wider in the book of Proverbs, there's always voices. People are always calling out to you. The question is, Who are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to the call of wisdom? You can hear her. She's not hiding. Are you going to listen to her? Secondly, wisdom is noble. You see that in verses 6 to 9. Sometimes wisdom, and the way, in fact, I think, in our modern world we think about wisdom is we think about it simply as an intellectual quality. Um, Someone who is smart is wise. But that's not the way the Bible and indeed the book of Proverbs considers it. Wisdom is not an IQ test. In fact, there are many highly intelligent fools and many who aren't so intelligent who are incredibly wise in God's eyes. 
You see, wisdom in verses 6 to 9 isn't just intellectual capacity, and that's not even just knowing what the right thing to do is. Um, it has, wisdom has this noble sense because it has a moral sense, and in particular, with what you say. Wise people in the book of Proverbs use their words appropriately. And in fact, I think that's probably the most significant expression of wisdom in the book of Proverbs is actually most kind of most clearly seen in, in how you speak. Wisdom is seen in what comes out of your mouth because what's in your heart comes out of your mouth, some guy said in Mark chapter 6. Your words demonstrate your wisdom. So wisdom has a purity. You can see there in verses 6 to 9, the, the, the kind of wise, wise words are right, true and just. They're not twisted or covert or crooked. They are straight, verse 9. They don't deceive. And these are all characteristics of God. This is the way God operates. His words are true. They don't deceive. The Lord Jesus' words were true. And they deceived no one. He never spoke a false word. These are characteristics of God because wisdom the wise God has made our world, and so wisdom is seen in it, in the purity of our speech. Thirdly, wisdom is valuable there in verses 10 to 11. Verse 10, choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice God. It's not diamonds that are a girl's best friend, and it's not gold that you should be going for, it's wisdom. This should be our goal. And you can see there in verse 11 that it's comprehensive. Nothing you desire can compare with her, with wisdom. Now, we value a lot of things in our world. We value success. Uh, we really crave validation. We really like comfort and safety. Some of us love donuts and red wine. But here, in verse 11, Proverbs is saying, whatever you desire naturally, whatever you love, whatever's entertaining, significant to you, wisdom is so much better. Wisdom is so much better than success. It's what you need so much more than validation. It's so much more restorative for you than comfort. And it's just slightly better than donuts or red wine. Wisdom is better, is the, uh, is the writer's point. Fourthly, wisdom is vital. And in particular in this section, it's vital in a number of spheres, leadership, but in particular decision-making. Because wisdom is never really by itself. Wisdom isn't a loner. Wisdom, in fact, loves running buddies. And so whenever you find wisdom, you'll see some friends of her or his, around. You'll see also there, verses 12 to 16, you'll see prudence, knowledge, and discretion. See, a wise person is not imprudent. 
Now, wisdom and prudence are always together because a wise person is careful. They're not rash or hasty. They seek knowledge and understanding. They use discretion. They use wisdom and knowledge such that it doesn't embarrass others or draw attention to itself. See, many of us face questions. We all face questions, but most of the questions that we face in the decisions of our lives, they're not phrased in what's the right thing to do and what's the wrong thing to do. Most often or not, they're phrased in what's the wise thing to do? What's the best thing to do? And I think the book of Proverbs would tell us that's not immediately obvious. Uh, Wisdom is not something natural for us as human beings. Rashness, imprudence, not caring of the effect of others, that comes naturally. But if you want wisdom, you have to seek it. You have to hear its call. You have to go after it. And so can I ask you, are you seeking wisdom? Are you seeking wisdom from God in the decisions of your lives, in the little things? But probably more importantly, or as important, in the big things, in the big decisions of life. Have you asked God for prudence, for knowledge, and for discretion? Wisdom doesn't like to be lonely. It's always got friends. But it's also got enemies. You'll see there in verse 13. Wisdom does not like Pride or evil. Pride never seeks wisdom and so never gets it because it doesn't need it. The fool says, nah, I'm all right. I've got everything I've need. I've made my decision. I'm the best resource. See, pride stops or prevents people growing in wisdom. And verse 13, quite frighteningly, God hates it. The wise person is not the wise person. It's the fool who seeks wisdom. So are you praying that God might give you wisdom? Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, Paul is praying for these Christians and this is how he phrases it, verse 9, Colossians chapter 1. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. For these Christians that Paul is writing to, he's seeking his father's face, that God would give them spiritual wisdom because they don't have it of themselves. God has it in abundance and he gives it in abundance, but we need to ask him for it. And so as much as I ask you, are you praying that God might give you wisdom? I should be asking as well, are you praying for others that God might give them wisdom? saw an article the other day, um, you know, it's hot. And, you know, thieves go through phases with what's, you know, kind of easy to steal. Apparently what's uh, really 
uh, hot right now in the uh, world of thievery is air conditioning units. Okay, so people are losing air conditioning units because it's hot and, I don't know, it's on people's minds. And so, you know, people are going to turn the air conditioner unit on, they're pressing the remote control button and they're wondering why there's hot air coming out of the system. Someone's stolen these air conditioning units. That's a great picture, I think, of what it's like to live life not seeking God's wisdom. Pressing the button, nothing's coming out. Disconnected from the source, from the one who would so gladly offer the wisdom to us if we just sought it from him. No, 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 I'm okay. I can do it without others. And more importantly, I can do it without you, God. That's our lives. That's our lives every week. We're disconnected from the source because we're not asking God for wisdom and we're not asking God to give others wisdom. How are you going at doing life without the source, battling sin and temptation, making decisions for the cause of the gospel rather than your comfort, trying to love your enemies? Try to do any of that without being connected to the source of wisdom. Fifthly, wisdom is profitable. When you get wisdom, you get other things, good things. Verse 17, I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. With me are riches and honour, enduring wealth and prosperity. Uh, Usually in the book of Proverbs, it's the hardworking person who is the wise person. And they are normally blessed with resources. Here, we see that because wisdom is built into the fabric of creation, those who are wise, verse 18, are also blessed with a degree of wealth and prosperity. This isn't always the case, but this is often the case. So we have the five characteristics of wisdom here in the chapter. And I want to finish um, today by having another look at that section in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 22 to 32. Because we see there that wisdom is personal. We see that wisdom is personified, and and it's not just a person who's remote from creation, it's a person who's involved in bringing creation into being, and it's a person who's involved in the sustenance of creation. This personification of wisdom has a relationship with its creation. Verse 30, then I was a craftsman at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence. See, this craftsman, this one who brought creation into being, this one who is indeed the agent of creation, who is this wise one? Well, as we turn to the New Testament, we see that Jesus is depicted as the agent of creation. He's the one who has brought everything into being, the stars, the dust, the ocean, and the sky. And he's not just the agent of creation. Perhaps even more wonderfully, he's the agent. He's the one that has brought about the new creation. 
He is the master workman. He has created our world and he sustains our world. If you've got your Bible open there, why don't you turn to Colossians chapter 1. I want to read a couple of verses because here we have this incredible picture of Jesus and his involvement with creation. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. It says, verse 15, that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Here's the Apostle Paul writing these words to that group of Christians that he was just praying for, and he wants to tell them about Jesus He wants to tell them about the Jesus who died and was raised and is seated at the right hand of the Father. But this one who is seated at the right hand of the Father is not distant from creation. No, he is the one who has made creation. And creation spins, our world spins because the Lord Jesus holds it and sustains it such that it would keep spinning. And here is this Old Testament expert writing about Jesus in such a way and it's hard not to imagine someone like the Apostle Paul thinking of Proverbs chapter 8 when he pens this section in Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 and following because wisdom is the firstborn in Proverbs chapter 8 And wisdom is the firstborn here in Colossians chapter 1. I think the Apostle Paul is inviting a comparison. That the one who was with God in creation was indeed God's son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Wisdom is personified in Paul's mind, personified in the person of the Lord Jesus. Because the Lord Jesus was the hands that brought creation into being. The Lord Jesus was the agent of creation. And Christ, we learn, is not just the one who brings creation into being, as incredible as that is. Colossians chapter 1 tells us even more. That is the purpose of creation. He's not just the how of how God made the world, he's also the why. And so for us to live in this world that Jesus, that, that the Lord Jesus has made. For us to live in it with wisdom is to know that firstly, he is the creator. He is the embodiment of God's wisdom. This is wise. Now, this isn't what our world would recognise as wise because our world doesn't recognise wisdom. In fact, it didn't recognise Jesus. Here, Jesus was inviting people to himself He was with them as they ate and they drank. And guess what people say? The Pharisees say in Luke chapter 7, Matthew 11, that here's Jesus again, the drunkard and the glutton can't get enough of the drink and the food. But there was wisdom. There was wisdom personified calling sinners, sinful woman, calling those outside of God, calling those who would seek him to himself. That was wisdom. But the world saw it as gluttony and drunkard. But Jesus says wisdom's not justified by what people think. Wisdom's justified by her children. 
by what it brings about. And the Lord Jesus is bringing about the children, the children of his kingdom, the children of God in the new creation. And so as we await that new creation, we want to live wisely. We want to live in a way that sees wisdom as available, noble, valuable, vital and profitable. And so we want to hear the call of Lady Wisdom. But how do we hear the call of Lady Wisdom? We hear the call of the Lord Jesus in every moment of life because wisdom is available. Just like the woman, Lady Wisdom, was on the street calling people to herself, calling fools to herself. Is that not what the Lord Jesus has done to us? We were fools on the street. And he's called us to himself because wisdom is available by his grace. Wisdom is noble. We speak the truth. But because the Lord Jesus is the epitome and the embodiment of wisdom, we don't just speak truth, we speak his truth. We speak about him. Thank you, Gabby. Thirdly, wisdom is valuable. His wisdom is valuable. You see, we might miss out in this world in many things that the world has to offer, the gold, silver and diamonds, but we will not miss out in the treasure in the world to come. And wisdom is vital if we follow the Lord Jesus because we want to consider Christ in everything. We want to consider him in every decision of our lives, in the little and in the big. And finally, wisdom is profitable with the Lord Jesus because we want to pursue wisdom in Christ. And you know what? When we pursue wisdom in Christ, we don't just get Christ, we get all his benefits as well. We receive the benefits of the fellowship of the saints, of his loving care for us, of a sure and certain hope. Friends, we want to live as people in this creation that God has made with wisdom. And we, like verse 35, we want to find wisdom in the Lord Jesus. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favour from the Lord. That life was light of men. And he's calling us, this ancient architect, the one whom, in, the, one whom the Father delights, the mediator between God and man. When we live with Jesus as our treasure, as our gold, We learn to live wisely. So let's pray that we do that. Amen. Please stand as we sing.